should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we didn't make the cut for that Antifa list. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who just bought a black ski mask to go as go. That's why we didn't make the list. My name is Kevin. I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who just bought a black ski mask to go out and get us on that list. Benedict, what's your favorite ice cream? Oh, um, are we counting gelato as ice cream? Just, just let's set the parameters. Sh- sure, sure. So it has to be gelato. I prefer gelato to ice cream. It's less heavy. I prefer gelato to ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I have European to play this game. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Blue bunny? Like you can't even call yourself European anymore. God true. damn it! It's listen. That's true, and it has been true for a while. Um, gelato. So mm-hmm. I would okay, probably... I meant flavors though. I meant flavors. No, no, Give me a I'm, flavor. I am I'm painting the picture, setting mm-hmm. the scene for our audience. I I would go so gelato. Often you will get because you you know I'm thinking a proper gelateria, proper gelato shop. You get two flavors. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking a a mix of like a hazelnut and dark chocolate is my my go to in the gelateria. <laughs> I hate everything about you right now. <laughs> I hate everything about you. The gelateria. Excuse me. I am I am part of the globalist elite. <laughs> I'm proud of it. So here we Indeed, fucking are. Let's are, lean yep. into it. What about yep. you? Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, well, I'm I'm working class, so I like plain fucking Hagen Dazs. Ben know. and Jerry's on. Chunky Monkey. Go fuck okay, yourself. Right. Chunky Monkey. All about it. That's the one with the salted caramel pretzel bits, right? I think. Sure. Yeah. I actually I like the. Um, uh, I, there is a Ben and Jerry's one that I like that's similar. It has like cookie dough, I think. That, I, I mean, um, it's hard to go wrong with, with if, any, if, really. If forced to pick a, a poor person's... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really should have... I, I, You know, I just realized when I was giving my answer that I thought that that was the one. I'm actually not 100% sure if Chunky Monkey is the one I'm thinking of. Maybe it's Chubby Hubby. Oh. Is the one with like because I, I should have like figured out what the one I like the most was before I asked the yeah, question. Yeah, I do. But uh, um, it's it's one that has like salted caramel pretzel covered bits in it, and oh, it's that's amazing. Good. No, there's one that uh, there's one that I would always get called like tonight dough. I think, and it, uh, unfortunately, this is that the Jimmy, of Jimmy Fallon one. Jimmy Fallon, yeah, <laughs> but it's good. It has cookie dough in it, which is good. Oh, it's, what was the name of that Colin Kaepernick one they did? I don't even remember. Oh God, I don't know. there was G- some. Ben and Jerry's is actually generally a good company, though. It they is. It, I mean, it, it's now it's... owned by I think Unilever. It's no longer owned yeah. by Ben and Jerry, but somehow but... I think they managed to write into like the sales. When they sold the company, something about like upholding their morals and values. Yeah, or something like I think. That. I mean, there's still like, hey, we would still like to employ people who have been previously convicted of a crime, yeah. if we can. They're not bad. They're not bad, no. folks. Those Ben and Jerry for fellas. A, for a corporation, Ben and Jerry's are okay. Sure, sure. Anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know uh, what it is that we do here on this program, but some folks, you know, folks who uh, aren't familiar with gelaterias. 
they might not. Uh, <laughs> then I would say, this is the show where you go deep, 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 deep. I didn't have a foreign language this week. To I plumb the I, depths. I think that the plural of gelateria is probably gelateria. <laughs> of right-wing thought. But reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right... Doing their best to make America hate again. Nick, start a thought. I can't do anything this week. Start us off. Do you have a hot take for us this week? I do. I uh, I went mattress shopping today, as you know. Yes. Um, it is the most relaxing experience <laughs> I have ever I, I, had. I disagree. I disagree no, because great. I've been mattress shopping exactly once. Okay, I and the whole time it was just like, the they all feel club. the same. Or like, no, they don't. They don't. Ugh. But like, they were like, I okay, this may be because I went, I, this is not helping my booty reputation. <laughs> but I went to a <laughs> store in Manhattan and it was like, it was all like lavender scented. They were playing like smooth jazz. The lights were low. It was lovely. <laughs> uh, and then they gave me They a didn't pillow. call themselves mattress salespeople. They were mattress concierges. <laughs> exactly. Something like that a connoisseur your sleep yeah. concierge I, no i actually had a mattress sommelier <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway i bought a mattress but it was it was extremely uh relaxed which was very very nice so nice. i encourage you if you can afford a mattress which obviously is not easy necessarily um and need a new mattress but have been putting it off i would say go to a store because you can get the online only ones at the online only prices at real stores um, Let me and... tell you, Benedict, uh, what I've been sleeping on for the past five years, uh, $200 internet memory foam mattress. Well, mine was an Works Ikea. Great. The, one we, the one we had was an Ikea one, mm-hmm. but my it's now like 13, 14 years old, <laughs> and my back is fucked. And that's <laughs> like, that's, it, it, age is one reason, uh-huh. but I think, I think an aging Ikea mattress might be another reason. Yeah, it so, could be. Could be part uh, of it. Yeah, so trying to fix that by buying way too expensive a mattress. Um, mm. Also, who knew mattresses were so expensive? Not me. <laughs> Until today. So our Patreon, anyway, is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Nice try. Anyway, what's your hot take? My hot take, Benedict, uh, dog food is too complicated. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know how the, you go to the dog food aisle? Because I, I, I said on the show, right, we got a dog recently. We got a pug. His mm-hmm. name's Buddy. He's the cutest thing in the world, and I want everything to, uh, uh, to be the best for him. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, but I spent like 30 minutes at the PetSmart just looking at dog food and realizing they're all the same in different packaging. Uh, here's, here's an important question before you carry on. Mm-hmm. Is it Pet Smart? I don't know. Don't fucking pet ask me. Smart. Why would I know? I don't know. Why would I know whether a hot dog is a sandwich? I'm not the arbiter of that. I'm asking you a question. Look, I would say, I think, and I'd have to look at the logo. I think that the pet and the mart are t- the pets. And, okay, I just have to pull up the logo now because uh, I, I'm not going to get this right. So, uh, pet is in red and smart is in blue. So, I think it is pet smart, not pets mart. Okay. I think it is pet smart. Are okay. we clear? Yep. Do we understand each other? I think so. Anyway, dog food. You can't contemplate how hard it is to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Very much. Very much okay. so. Much too difficult. Um, so I just went to that fridge area and got him some of the refrigerated food because okay. it feels like that's closer to something a human would eat. And, okay. and that's that's what I want my dog eating is, okay. is better food. But all Fair the stuff enough. in the bag, it's funny. all the same. It's all the fucking same. Yeah. Anyways, Benedict, uh, what's on your bookshelf this week? 
Bookshelf this week, I am doing a you this week and mm. not recommending a book because I haven't read anything in quite a while. Um, not quite a while. I haven't read anything new in quite a while. Um, so I am going to go for two movies that I saw this week, both oh, of which nice. I enjoyed. Uh, one is the new Knives Out, which is great. Yes, I saw um, you tweeting about how you like that. It was good, yeah. And the other one was uh, The Menu, which is uh, a satire, I guess, of... Um, fine dining and the people who partake in fine dining mm, dude i i'll tell you what i'm a sucker for a movie about like a chef or like a restaurant or or anything like that i love them all. the movie chef by john favreau it's great one of my favorite movies of all time yeah no no it's great um i also have you seen the bear that's good too you know people keep talking about it and i think i was getting a bunch of ads for it for a while and it just never mm-hmm. isn't it on stars or something it's on it's just on hulu Okay, well, I never bothered to go watch it. I don't know. Okay, it's good. It's um that, and then also Boiling Point is another really good one. That's like uh, it's like a one shot movie. Like, mm. there's no cuts or edits or anything. Lies. I, lies. Obviously, it's whenever lies, yes. they tell you there's no, no cuts, Kevin, then you I see a door that. slam right in front of the camera. There's yeah. a cut. I know they. Yeah, I know they didn't uh, actually do it in one take, but mm-hmm. it's that. That's the style. Yeah. Um, and that's really good too. But yeah, the, so these are both. Basically, movies with the theme, the super rich fucking suck, which is a theme I can get aboard with while I hold my gelato on my expensive mattress. <laughs> Talking with your friends about eating the rich at the gelateria. <laughs> Please, that's too close to home. Anyways, but on to housekeeping this week. Oh, wait, I didn't give you mine. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't ask, to be fair, but yeah. you, did, uh, you did interrupt. Uh, mine What's this yours? week, Benedict. I'm going to pull a you. And I'm going to recommend a book. Damn. How okay. crazy is that? Moral reversal. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Uh, I am recommending Raising Them Right, the untold story of America's ultra-conservative youth movement and its plot for power by Kyle Spence. I think it's Kyle. Um, it's uh, I, I don't know how she pronounced it. I haven't heard it pronounced, but it is spelled Kyle. It might be Kylie Spencer. Okay. Um, great book. I'm three chapters in. Um, and basically she is following, she has followed for like four years, Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens, and this weirdo libertarian dude behind the scenes, uh, at Young Americans for Liberty. Um, it is horrifying. It's fucking scary. Uh, but also I can't put it down. Uh, it's really engrossing, really interesting. Check it out if you're interested, but... On to housekeeping this week. Benedict, remember, rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on the social medias. Uh, for updates this week, uh, not much. I hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, if you follow us on Twitter, you might have seen, I got a new soundboard for the show, uh, which I have been tinkering with over the last couple of days. Um, it's fantastic. It allows it, it has internal recording system so I can back up all these tracks, and that's great for us for, for reasons. Um and uh, that means that, obviously, there might be some jankiness in the audio uh, for a while. Uh, hopefully not, but that things things tend to happen from time to time. Um, I haven't, you know, obviously run through a bunch of times and got all my levels set. So uh, there might be some weirdness going on uh, for a little while. Hopefully uh, we're able to get it all dialed in as soon as possible. But uh, just bear with us. If there's any uh, sort of weirdness in the sound, uh, I'll try and fix it uh, so that going forward we have the the best recordings we possibly can but uh benedict appreciate you look at you being amazing 
<laughs> Sorry, I zoned out while you were talking, we and then have... I heard you stop and thought uh, I would you say always something do. Com- you always yeah, yeah. do. No, I don't. I normally listen. We have some inductees into the Spooky World inductees New World Order this week. Welcome. Two. Yeah, yep. we have a new patron, Isaac oh. Horvat. You are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. Yeah. Thank you, oh so very much. <laughs> And one other inductee this week, Bodge, at B-O-D-G-E-I on Twitter. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And that was for telling me about how uh, they were raised in the Unitarian Church and giving me some some fun, interesting facts about the Unitarian Church, which we talked about obviously last week. But if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, of course, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, drop me a screenshot to let me know, make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. Benedict, let's do our Alex Jones clip for the week. Hell, yeah we are. Let's yes. Go. Uh, so as you know, I try and match these to what we were talking about in the book chapters as we were doing them. So I decided let's go find Alex talking a little bit about coronavirus. So this is an episode. This is going to get us taken off the airwaves. <laughs> the AI is going to recognize that we're trying. At some point, we're going to get censored for talking too much about Alex Jones. I'm pretty sure. Maybe, maybe. The uh, algorithms are going to be like, there was Alex Jones in that clip. Oh, You're fucking oh, let me tell you. So I, I knew what clip I wanted because you'll hear the clip when we, we play it. Uh, but I knew which one I wanted. I just didn't know when it was. I knew around when it was because there was, I think it was a Vice article that mentioned the quote. Um, and it said a few days ago. It didn't mention what specific day the show was on. So I had to go hunting through the InfoWars band.video archive to try and find the specific show. So I ended up watching like three hours of InfoWars. Uh, just to, tr- you know, I was I was watching it 1.5 speed, obviously. Yeah. But trying to find this specific moment. And a few days before this episode, we're going to play this clip from uh, January 13th, 2020. He had an hour plus entirely uncritical interview with Richard Spencer, where he just basically spent the entire interview agreeing with him. That was the entirety. And then after Spencer was gone, he came back from a commercial break. And I think he realized at some point that he needed to distance himself from Richard Spencer because he'd been sitting there going, well, you know, I think, you know, yeah, you, people use the things you say. And I, you know, it's really the real enemy is the globalists, not you. Yeah, You're obviously. just, you just want to have your own thing. So he came back and realized he had to distance himself from Spencer. So he said that he thinks Spencer's being used by the globalists to create balkanization. Um, and then said this bullshit thing about how he gets more support from Hispanics than white people, according to his analytics, uh, which was hilarious because at his recent trial, uh, there was this whole thing where all the InfoWars witnesses denied that they had or used analytics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because they never turned them over in discovery. It was great. Good. It was really great. Um, but I want to note that Alex's coronavirus narrative has changed incredibly. Kevin, obviously. In the three years <laughs> Every since narrative has changed. Yes. the one that got him sued for a billion dollars. But, but Alex has flip-flopped on COVID so many times, it's honestly astounding, right? It's wherever the winds are blowing at the moment. So at the beginning of the pandemic, this was the most deadly virus on the planet. This was going to kill everyone. Oh, yeah, I remember him being super pessimistic mm-hmm. about it. I and remember, then all of a sudden, it yeah. was fake. These hospitals are empty. There is no one in them. They are. This is all the globalists doing this to make you comply because they're about power. Um, mm-hmm. 
So the video we have today, the title of the show that this is from is Learn the Secrets of the Coronavirus Outbreak. Who's behind it and how bad it's going to get. It is from January 24th, 2020, where we are starting is about an hour into the show. Oh, uh, this... hold on. January 24th, 2020? Yes. So this is pre it really going out of China. Right. This is just when outbreaks are happening in okay. China and people are reading about them and hearing about them and the news gotcha. is all talking about them. So here's... And he's going to have a guest on here. I'll tell you about him when he comes on. Oh, so right. here we go. I'm proud of what we've done, but most nobody else can handle this. We knew this was coming. We built for it. We've handled a bunch, but we're dead already. Okay. You just need to understand something. <laughs> the fact that they're doing all of this right now means they're going for broke against the president and everything else. And this is for real. So, and the coronavirus obviously is a prepared simulant for a cover for other stuff. Because they always have something else that's really doing it, and they got the virus. I mean, you can see all the stuff going on, but I mean, it means we're now game time. The ball's been kicked off. This is it. It's 2020. New world order, toe to toe with humanity. Mike Adams, you take over this segment. By the way, he basically says that it, you know, we're, we're toe to toe with the globalists. It's kicking off. That's something he says every fucking day. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, we've been, how, when has that not been the case yeah. for Alex Jones? Yeah. Next. And I'll be here watching, but you'll, you'll, you'll bring us out of break and you'll bring us back in next segment. You've got the floor. Break, break it down. So this is Mike Adams, the health ranger. I, okay. Before you start, his sign off words were, you've got the floor, break it down. And my head just had him break dancing, like coming in, doing like a dad rap. Like coronavirus oh, is here to stay. But Benedict, do you know the full story of how you and I met? Have no. I ever told you how I got involved with that? outlet we were briefly involved in no i don't think so i was writing a blog that was going after the health ranger okay. because i got pissed off one day when my mom told me uh because a, a friend uh had cancer uh and my mom told me um that they say that vitamin c cures cancer uh, and the they there who, 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 is who quite is often Mike Adams. Okay. Because I went trolling through my mom's Facebook and all these friends and you looking for out. where she got this bullshit. And it was a fucking naturalnews.com oh, post, okay. which okay. is the outlet so run know, by Mike Adams. I know about natural news. Yes, okay. Mike Adams runs naturalnews.com. He is a former internet entrepreneur who ran a, I don't remember if it was a, a, um, company that created software it did one of two things i don't remember which one it was because it's been years since i i really looked into him that deeply uh but uh it was either to get spam email out of your inbox or it was to make sure that spam email could get into your inbox Those i don't two remember quite which different one it was. business models i don't remember which one it was uh but he sold that for a couple million dollars and then he started just creating this network of interlocking websites to fool all the search engine optimization out there to get him ridiculous amounts of clicks um basically shilling the same sort of fake supplements that Alex does, although he was doing it earlier, fake cancer cures, all this bullshit, and of course, hard-right crypto-fascist politics. That's who Mike Adams is. Um, but yeah, that's how you and I actually met, because the guy who ran that outlet saw my blog and thought it was interesting and wanted to get me on board. Good for you, look at yeah. you. Okay. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the context of just a little segue from what Alex just said. When I first became aware of Alex Jones and Infowars maybe 15 years ago, I remember my first thought, which might be the first thought of many people, was that it, it couldn't, things couldn't possibly be as bad as what Alex is saying. Because they're not. That was my first thought. Yeah, no. Couldn't possibly be that bad. 
What's he talking about? Now, 15 years later, whatever it is, after having lived through this myself and been the subject of these vicious attacks and been an investigative journalist and running, running an infrastructure, running a team of editors and writers and, and covering these things, I'm here to tell you something today that maybe even InfoWars listeners might find shocking. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> the truth is, it's way worse than what Alex has ever been able yeah, to articulate. Yeah, yeah. How shocking is that? That might even be shocking to InfoWars listeners. It's worse shocking. than Alex has said. Also, don't, on the COVID episode, don't have a scratchy throat. I'm going to say <laughs> it. Just say like, you lose, yeah. He actually like, keeps taking drinks from a water bottle. Yeah, because he's got episode. COVID, he clearly. And he's, he's done an incredible job, and he's trying to sound the alarm. And the, the things that are happening in our world today, the corruption, the fraud, the maliciousness, not just the lies, but the, the demonic force always of the total destruction. Oh, yeah, always it's, it's very demons. much there's a Christian fascist element to Alex and all the people who surround him where they think they're fighting the literal Christian devil. Destruction of logic and reason and life and humanity. These forces are so evil and so they've so successfully invaded and taken over every institution from the media to government to education and Hollywood and so on that I'm here to tell you it is way worse than, than what Alex has ever said. In fact, it's way worse than anything I could have ever communicated. So, so far, none of this has to do with COVID. None of this has no. to do with COVID. No, he's just like, it's bad out there, folks. Yeah. So I find it interesting whenever, like, it's there seems to be like a continuum where conservative commentators, however you want to refer to Alex Jones, mm. I don't know whether he might even be Fascist. on the fucking spectrum. Lord yeah, Ha-Ha's. Sure. But so there's like the, the logic reason thing where like people like Ben Shapiro are like, oh, yeah, kind of, I guess we like the Enlightenment, but only a certain amount, like some of it's bad. But then you get back to like the full crazy people who are like, we love logic and reason. And like, see, no, I remember that Ben Shapiro book differently than you do, apparently, because I don't remember no. him liking the Enlightenment at all. No, no, that's what I mean. He was he was uh, he, he likes to use the like facts don't care about your feelings mm, thing. Yeah, but then he's yeah. not he doesn't like the Enlightenment really, but like sees that it has some value. Yeah. Um, whereas, like someone like Alex Jones, who is off the spectrum crazy, mm -hmm. who is, is incapable of using logic, logic or reason or mm -hmm. thought, yeah, exactly, uses those buzzwords. I, I find that interesting. It is. It is. And I, I just have to apologize right here, live on air. I've, I've failed to, to accurately sound the alarm. I've been too reserved. He's been too reserved, Benedict. He's been too reserved. How often is he on the show? All the time. All the okay. time. Okay. All the time he's on Alex's show. Okay. Alex is very lazy, so his show is four hours. It's hard. But, to be fair, that mm -hmm. is a long show to do every day. It is day. a long show. We could not do a four-hour show every day. Uh, I but can't. I can barely do a one-and-a-half-hour show once a week. <laughs> he often farms out segments of his show by basically just calling up one of his buddies or having one of his employees come in and saying, I'm going to do this research, and he's probably just eating a cheeseburger or something, <laughs> um, and then just letting someone take over an hour or two of his show. Usually the, the fourth hour is hosted by someone other than Alex okay. is how it usually goes. Still, it's a, that I've is been a long too, show. That's yeah, a lot of, it is. A lot of it work. Is. Too intellectual. He's been too I, I have not been able to communicate to you the degree of trouble that we are in as a human species. 
we are, I mean, to say we are so screwed doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. We are targeted for extermination. There is a total wipeout of humanity that's being planned, that's being engineered, it's being rolled out before your very eyes. The censorship aspects of this are just the surface layer. That's just to stop people from talking about it so that the attacks can succeed more, more rapidly and, and more completely. The attacks on Alex Jones and the attacks on myself and others are just, just a small part of the overall plan. See, it always comes back to them. Always it always plan. has to. There's always a plan. And the, the, viciousness, the viciousness of those attacks tells you the desperation of those who are behind this, that they pulled out all the stops. There's nothing they won't do from the impeachment of Trump in the Senate, the lies of Adam Schiff, to the CDC being taken over by the vaccine industry and the vaccine industry deliberately lacing their vaccines with infectious diseases. I mean, I'm here to tell you, one of the bombshells I need to cover today, and I'll describe it in more detail, is that all of this coronavirus situation, this is just the first wave, folks. The second wave of the pandemic begins when the coronavirus vaccine begins being administered. And okay. So we can see the early, right, obviously Alex has always been against vaccines. That's a long-running yeah. Alex narrative. Every vaccine has to be evil. Uh, that's always, of course, unless he's equivocating because Donald Trump supported vaccines at one point and he had to say that, no, these, these are the good ones. And then he had to go back when his audience got angry and said, no, Trump betrayed us with the vaccines. <laughs> oh, vaccines bad. Yeah. Consistency bad. Consistency is bad with him. And we will come to learn that that vaccine contain, contains, <clears throat> excuse me, live virus. Mm. There will be live virus in the coronavirus vaccine and it will, it will set off a firestorm of the second wave. This has already been planned, already engineered. We know the playbook. Okay, so what? Hold on. So he thinks that the vaccines are going to infect people with COVID. That's the yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like I said, it's way worse than anything that Alex could have explained or that I could have explained. I failed to explain all this. I failed to sound the alarm. If we had succeeded, there would be millions of people marching in the streets today against the criminal CDC, against maybe Congress or, or at least the, the corrupt Democrat House. There would be millions of people marching to demand control of our borders so that we don't have infectious diseases just running across the borders and infecting Americans. There would be people marching in front of the Fed to demand honest money and an end to the fake fiat currency system that's silently stealing all your wealth and all your products. I love it when they the always go back to gold standard shit. Always gold bucks. <laughs> just forever gold bucks. Yeah. Always. Activity every night as you sleep. Your money is being stolen through debasement of the money supply. Well, also because they stole it because I can't, I'm not, I have to go to court with the all caps words, mm -hmm. magic words. Exactly. I can't sound the alarm enough. And in a sense, I almost feel, I feel numb to it. It's so insane every day, day after day, that in order to even function in this environment, I have to turn it off. I have to turn off these elements that should have us screaming, screaming, begging for God to intervene, begging, begging for, for humanity to wake up. I and am yet, begging for God to intervene in me listening to this clip. It's just, I, I, part of the reason why I'm playing so long of a clip today is I want you to get the sense of how much all these people, how long they can talk without saying a fucking thing. Oh, yeah. And B, because there's an amazing soundbite coming up. Okay. You'll hear it. All right. We can't. Because just to, just to deal with this, we have to alter our own circuitry, so to speak, just to be able to, to talk and function. 
because the truth is so nightmarish. It's so, <clears throat> excuse me again, it's, it's so horrific. It's such a nightmare. What can we do as a human race? I'm here to tell you, it's over for humanity. There will only be lone survivors. It's over for humanity. There will only be lone survivors. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a group of lone survivors? <laughs> and he that reiterates that. He reiterates. Uh, uh, That's the sound clip I had to get to. I had should, to get to that fucking be, point. What do you call a group of lone survivors? And I, I can't take credit for that sound clip. I know about that sound clip because of Knowledge Fight, right? That's okay. That's... Obviously something I heard through them, but it's so good. It's so good. It's over for you, humanity. There will only be lone survivors. Great. So after that, right, uh, uh, they, co- they go to a commercial break. They come back. Alex comes back on after that commercial break because he's eating his hamburger. Um, and, you know, agrees with Mike and all this keeps scaremongering about COVID. It's also worth noting that not once on that entire episode did he mention Klaus Schwab or the World Economic Forum. No. Well, but Klaus re- Schwab hasn't said anything about COVID yet, presumably. No. And he repeatedly mentions Bill and Melinda Gates, obviously, right? Because that's just where his narrative was. It was all about Bill and Melinda Gates. That's a long-time part of his narrative. Uh, it wasn't until the conspiracy com- community really brought Klaus Schwab into it that he mm. incorporated the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab into his cons- conspiracy, gotcha. right? Okay. You know, but... It's, it's just, God, it's over for humanity. There will only be lone survivors, Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with that, why don't we get into this week's chapter, chapter four. Benedict, what did we read this week? Well, we read the first half, as you said, of chapter four. Uh, then came COVID-19, as you mm. may have been able to guess, in which Alex kind of gives us a few theories about where COVID might have come from and also why it was happening i that Does he? we'll see i don't really know Does he? do you well, have an alternate chapter title for us uh no <laughs> okay. i thought i had it all covered off i had forgotten that one i had I, one uh it was go. thus came alex thustra uh but <laughs> so yes this is then came covid obviously we're gonna be talking about covid this week um And boy, does he have some bad takes on it. (laughs) Oh, awful takes. I think this might be the most wrong chapter that we've had so far. I mean, it's the one that, I think it's the one that makes the most claims, if you don't count, like, out of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so so maybe. What I was saying to you before we started recording, I think, like, the entirety of these, whatever it is, like, 10, 12 pages? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a, I should note for the the listeners, it's a short chapter this week, it's like 25 pages, but. We we spent more time fucking around at the start. Well, we we split it in half, A, because I think to handle COVID responsibly, we need to fully address these claims. All the And there's a lot in here. Uh, and B, because, oh boy, is there plenty to talk about this yeah, week. Yeah, there is. Uh, um, but as I said, uh, as I said to you before we started recording, like, I, I think, you know, this is a criticism we level at, at the right a lot of just being denialists about what we say mm-hmm. and facts that we present and just saying, no, that's not right. Literally, you can do that for the whole of this chapter. Like, literally, my <laughs> whole rebuttal could be, well, at least nope. the first half of the chapter. Nope, that's wrong. Like, that's it's just wrong. Like, that's just not correct. That's fine. But 
cool mm-hmm. it's fine that you think that i guess freedom of thought i guess but like it's not sure. right well it's it's not right and i don't think it's fine that he i think it's fine if he believes it i, I can't yeah, step I into I anyone's mind and force say, them say. to believe something I, that's why I, that's why i deliberately said think and not say but i yes i think it's morally wrong for him to you know spread these lies Probably to his audience it, yeah. it's just no, it's just wrong. i agree with that but he begins the chapter with quote the more I study the globalists, the more I conclude they act a lot like that annoying used car salesman who will say anything to keep you from getting off the lot without making a pers- purchase. It's World War I. We need globalism. It's the Great Depression. We need globalism. It's World War II. We need globalism. It's the Cold War. We need globalism. It's the 1970s and with World War II order breaking down. We need globalism. It's 2001 and there's a war on terror. We need globalism. It's 2016 and technology is changing things. We need globalism. It's 2020 and there's COVID-19. We need globalism. Okay, so a couple things on that. Uh-huh. First thing, literally... You could replace we need globalism with it was the globalists. And that's what Alex does. <laughs> the globalists started all the wars. Oh, exactly. Wait. Yeah. Wait, that yeah. is where he comes from. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Second of all, I like the huge gap between the 1970s and 2001. Yeah. Because he didn't got. have any examples. <laughs> well, also, that was when globalism was actually at its most successful and yeah. at its height when globalism was, was really beginning to take root as I a... No. Well, I mean, and one thing that stuck out to me in that list was him noting World War One, the Great Depression, and World War Two. Uh, two of those, uh, after World War One, famously, the United States declined to le- join the League of Nations, mm. you could say was a defeat for globalism. Yep. The Great Depression, we're talking about a time when the U.S. was famously I- it, at its most isolationist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The opposite of globalism. And then World War Two. Well, I think what what fair, do you so think globalism means in the context of World War II, Alex? Yeah, that's a good question. Fighting the Nazis? Yeah. yeah. Is that what you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, when a lot of your friends have shaved heads. Maybe you mm-hmm. see that as a bad thing. Um, so he tells us now that he's going to tell us his personal beliefs about COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And he says, quote, I think COVID-19 was a planned attack on civilization by the globalists. And they clearly broadcasted this by their exercise called Event 201. He really did, like, I know we're going to talk about it, but he glosses the fuck over that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was Event 201. That was it. That was the that was their plan. That's how they told well, us they were going to do it. I and... think he glossed over it for a couple reasons, but Because it's fucking insane. One is because Event 201 sounds scary and spooky, and you don't really yeah, need anything yeah. more than that. Cause it's the whole like thing a is... second year globalist class. Right. Like, it's it a all... little tougher than Event 101. <laughs> You have to take your prereqs. Glo- yeah, uh, globalism exactly. 101. You have to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so, Event 201, he says, the website of the Center for Health Security described the gathering and then gives us a quote, which is, quote, and this is from uh, uh, this this website. The John Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, hosted Event 201, a high-level pandemic exercise on October 18th, 2019, in New York, New York. The exercise illustrated areas where public-private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to, di- to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. Bearing in mind, Bill Gates has been doing this pandemic shit, like, for 10-plus years. Yeah, it's kind of like, one of his things. Yeah, also, not, Benedict... Like, he's presenting this as suspicious timing, but, like, this has been Bill Gates' whole focus. You like, know... 
You know who else has been doing this for 20 years? The John Hopkins Center yeah. for Health Security. Yeah, it's the whole one of the whole founding. Like, it's their the whole, whole thing. thing. Yeah, and and Bill Gates has been particularly focused on like respiratory viruses mm-hmm. because he's like, hey, that'll be really bad when one of those inevitably happens, which it will. Yes, yes. So. A constant theme in Alex's narratives is that whenever the instant disease or tragedy or mass shooting or whatever happens, uh, it was broadcasted or predicted. Oh, it's but it's always like suspicious time because you can always find fucking something that happened right before. If you look at all of his mass shooting narratives, he always starts asking immediately, was there a drill? Because at any, you know, if it's a school, for instance, at any given school, they do multiple drills throughout the year. So you can usually find one nearby the time of a mass shooting and say that the drill, I don't know why they would have to do a fucking drill in order to then do a mass shooting. That doesn't make any sense, but it does to Alex. So there's a few justifications for why he makes this claim about these things, you know, these being predicted or broadcasted or it's them admitting their plans or whatever it is. Um, one is that it is lesser magic and that they have to put the information out ahead of time in order for their lesser magic to work, which I just find hilarious. Another is that they're just so arrogant and evil that they put their plans out there like for a thrill or something, mm-hmm. which you know seems to be, I think, the, the one he just goes a, with. Just a little while. tease. Yeah. And the important thing to recognize is that this is a function of only operating in hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. Alex is never actually aware of what's going on, so he's entirely reactive. Oh, and yeah. Once an event happens, he has to go back in time to find things that justify what he's currently claiming. It's a fun combo of being both reactive and reactionary. Like, really, yeah. like, to really re- every type of reaction. It's almost like those things go together. Sometimes. Uh, so on October 18th, 2019, the John Hopkins Center for Health and Security did hold this event. It is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and they posted... And the, the Johns Hopkins, sorry, just, just quickly, they were the ones that, like, first created that public interface dashboard of, like, hey, here's where yeah. all the reported cases yeah. are, here's how many deaths there have been that we know of, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, like, again, I can see... I can, Without giving credit, I can see why people fall for this shit. Absolutely. You know? I get it. I, if you don't look at any of the details, like he doesn't, <laughs> yeah. then maybe it does. So let's see what he has to say about it, and okay. then we'll talk a little bit about the reality of it. So he says, quote... I'd like you to recall that from my perspective, whenever I hear the expression public-private partnership, I immediately translate that into the word fascism. I'm not saying you have to accept my translation, period, but do. return. But do, for, yeah, and then the next sentence is, please just try and accept it for right. a second. And but there should be a comma, but there, that's just bad writing. I thought you would be the one to point out the bad writing no, there, it, and it turned out to be it, me. It, yeah, there you go. I'll let you have a few of the bad yeah. writing. I don't want anyone to think you're a bad writer. And he continues. Shut up. Just take my translation for a test spin and see how much it explains about what happened next. One of the big topics of discussion by the participants of Event 201 was how to deal with the spread of misinformation and strategies to combat free speech. There were discussions of lockdowns and the rapid development of new vaccines rather than therapeutics that would quickly knock down the severe consequences of this new viral infection. Striking, isn't it? When you consider how the ensuing months of 2020 unfolded. Wah-ah-ah-ah-ah-ah. So, obviously Alex is claiming that this foreshadowed COVID. So let's just look at some of the realities of that exercise. So, first off, 
the hypothetical doesn't, virus doesn't foreshadow so much as proceed. Yeah, like. the hypothetical virus that they used in their exercise of it two hundred one was a coronavirus. Ooh, spooky! Is ah. that because they're hard to build vaccines for? Generally? Well, like the common cold is a respiratory vaccine. You could you could definitely look at that and think, "Wow, that's one hell of a coincidence." But, you know, it doesn't really tell you anything. See, uh, events like this are pretty regularly held by different organizations mm. in the country. You know, John Hopkins Health Security Organization uh, Center is not the only one of these sorts of organizations that exists. And in fact, they have held several of these tabletop sessions since t- 2001. The first one in 2001, I think it was titled Winter, uh, Dark Winter, I think might have been the name of it. Well, Spook yeah. your name would have been better, to be honest. Much that better. One. Well, uh, also, I mean, the other the other thing, just quickly, is like we have had some very near misses with coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. Like not, and and some of them weren't even misses. Like the SARS epidemic was oh, yes. very bad. But oh yes, it could have been much worse. I'll, I'll MERS, talk about SARS in a second. Okay, we'll talk well, the about Mer- the MERS epidemic was again mm-hmm. very deadly virus. Could have been much much worse. Yeah. So like it makes sense to do a practice run with things that have nearly happened before and yeah. like might happen again because they're highly transmissible viruses and can be deadly, especially to at-risk populations. I believe it's viri, Benedict. Mm. Uh, but see, events yeah, like this are pretty right. regularly held. <laughs> it's no, you're right. Yeah, it's I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just <laughs> running off my joke from last viral, week about yeah. whatever I said it was. So events like this are pretty regularly held, right? The October 2018 event was just the first time that uh, Johns Hopkins uh, event included private industry figures as part of it to, in order to run these simulations involving private industry involvement in pandemic response. So the event that they did the previous year titled the Clade X Pandemic Exercise uh, which, again, would have sounded scarier, featured a disease caused by the Nipah virus from the uh, family of Henipah viruses, no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, nope. that first appeared in Frankfurt, Germany, Germany, and caused viral encephalitis and pneumonia. Now, they could have actually used this one better for their conspiracy because that role-playing exercise involved an eco-terrorist group that claimed to have bioengineered the virus to return the Earth to pre-industrial population levels. Okay. It would have been better for their conspiracy, but that one didn't involve the Gates Foundation or the World Economic Forum. Mm. So Event 201, of course, involved a coronavirus. And coronaviruses are a group of related viruses that cause diseases in mammals and birds. And the family of viruses, coronavirus, has existed for thousands of years, believed to have first evolved around 8,000 BCE. And I mean, to most properly thinking people, on top of the fact that they appear to have rotated the type of viruses used in their simulation, because these are about public health response, not the medical or scientific response, there's an obvious reason why a coronavirus would eventually be used in one of these. Namely, the two other coronaviruses that you mentioned that have caused mm-hmm. significant outbreaks and pandemics in the recent past. Mm-hmm. SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome in 2003, and MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome in 2012. Feels like they could have named that one better. Eh, probably could. <laughs> also, the coronavirus in Event 201 simulation originated in pigs. And in the simulation, 65 million people died in the first 18 months. Whereas here we have 6.5 million deaths in reality over three and a half years. Mm. So, Still not great. No, 
But, you know, the, the most obvious response to claims that this was related to COVID-19 is, uh, uh, duh, yeah, it was. They were yeah. obviously trying to raise awareness and promote policies and cooperation that would help with the response to the likely threat of a worldwide pandemic. And they yeah. were correct. Well, the two logical ones to use would be a coronavirus because mm-hmm. of the way they work. Or a flu mutation, flu mutation. Yeah. So uh, like a avian flu or a swine flu, or right. you know one of those. So like because they're respiratory, they can spread without you knowing you have them. Like it just. It I think so one of the sense. ones they did in the mid two thousands was based off of like a, a avian flu, swine yeah, like flu type flu virus type or something thing. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this wasn't promoting or broadcasting anything else. This was public health advocates correctly predicting that a worldwide pandemic would occur because mm-hmm. they have in the past and they will again in the future. Yeah. So it's neither a coincidence nor is it a conspiracy. It's just good public health practice. So then he talked about there in that paragraph that they were talking about combating free speech. Combating free speech. Isn't that evil? Uh, segment four of the exercise, and these are all on YouTube, and I will link to um, this segment four in the show notes. You can find the other ones by just going to their YouTube channel and, and looking through it. Um, it was titled Information Dissemination Discussion, and it dealt with major issues with disinformation spreading. I watched the whole segment. It's about 35 minutes. You can watch it too if you want. Some of the hypothetical social media issues they talked about were Twitter posts spreading lies about the virus, including that pharmaceutical companies created the virus to make money off of vaccines. And they they keep doing throughout the whole exercise these pre-recorded, you know, fake TV news segments, which were actually mm. really high quality. And I kept going, wow, they did a really good fucking job with these. <laughs> But one of them was like these two experts on like a, you know, a CNN talking head show where they put two people on with opposing views and argue with each other. And one of them was against any attempts to address disinformation because it would affect free speech. And the other one was in favor. And he did say that limiting uh, the spread of disinformation by limiting communication might be warranted. Um, Now, you know. None of the people involved in the exercise agreed with that position. It should be pointed out. Uh, but the example of pharma making the disease, really, I have to say, is probably a creation of Alex himself. And I say that because the reason they probably came up with that example is because it's based off a long-running Alex Jones conspiracy. Something he's done for years. Mm. Vaccines and autism. Yep. It's just Which, right there. Yeah. It's right there. Which it's we should a, say... And I know everyone knows this, are not linked. <laughs> no, they are not. You know, it's a real-world conspiracy theory, so them addressing this in this exercise is not strange at all. Mm-hmm. But what followed was not a discussion by anyone about combating free speech. Uh, and I should also note that uh, some of the people who attended this exercise, one was uh, Rear Admiral Stephen Redd, uh, the director of the Office of Public Health Preparedness at the CDC, and... Yeah. A member of China's CDC was there. Oh, interesting. And even that guy, and you could fairly say, well, you know, that guy was probably thinking in his head, yeah, we'll we'll just cut off information if we want to if we think that'll help. (laughs) But he didn't say it. So, you know, you would have to go to the, ah, you probably meant it even if you didn't say it. He just probably thought he was going to do it. None of these people were talking about combating free speech. This was not what anyone was talking about. No, but Alex makes the leap from... I know. They, they were talking the about mis- correcting false information that was put out into the world 
through social yeah. media. That's yeah, what yeah, they were yeah. talking about. Uh, one of them said, you know, basically social media companies need to partner with scientific and public health authorities to combat disinformation, which is something that actually happened during the pandemic. Yeah, which they did, to be fair. And which the right is fucking furious about because they were the ones pushing all that disinfo. Uh, another one talked about recruiting grassroots community organizations to assist in disseminating correct information. They talked about the anti-vaccine movement, right? It was all about combating false information, not battling free speech or whatever. And I mean, holy shit, wasn't it a prescient conversation to have, right? They talked about additional deaths happening because of disinfo and even people refusing to go to the hospital because of lies, Mm -hmm. uh, things that actually happened during COVID. Yeah. And they had- It was all very predictable. (laughs) Yeah. Right, they had a discussion about how to handle governments being spreaders of false information, particularly when they're doing it for political advantage. Mm-hmm. Another thing that happened. Yeah, and also just misinformation. Like there, there, there were governments that put out stuff that was kind of half baked or wasn't didn't turn out to be true, or like especially in the early days, like right. there were things like oh, don't take this drug or whatever that like people just didn't know what was going and, on. And then there was Donald Trump standing in front of the nation from that weekly press conference, fucking lying to people. And saying inject yourself with bleach. Yeah. You know? Well, let's be fair. He didn't say that. You know, we have to point that out because we we are better than them. But it is a good funny thing that he he suggested a possibility of injecting disinfectant because he misheard someone say something and his senile fucking dumb brain came up with something stupid. But so he continues, Alex does, quote, But let's assume for a moment that SARS-CoV-2 wasn't an intentional act, but rather a negligent one. Scientists were playing around with bat viruses, figuring they might someday cause a problem in uh, humans, and one of their creations escaped from the lab. Would they take responsibility? Hell no, they'd lie their asses off about it. I like that these are the first two possibilities. Like, he's basically taking it as read that it's it's man-made, essentially. Yeah, Um, he is. Which, yeah. I mean... He does, so in a couple pages, he doesn't do it right now, but he says, I'm going to spend the rest of this chapter not saying that it was engineered in a lab or blah, blah, blah. Because it doesn't matter to my argument. Right. And then he keeps saying it. (laughs) But for now, he is claiming that it was engineered in a lab. He very much is. Yeah, no. And look, I mean, there's a discussion to be had about things like gain-of-function research and whether we should be doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that this is the time. No, it isn't. So he starts off with this article in Nature, uh, the scientific journal, and he says, quote, The only problem was that in 2016, in an article in Nature, they triumphantly told the world they'd been able to make these bat coronaviruses able to infect humans. Now, that obviously overlooks the fact that bat coronaviruses already were able to infect humans. Yeah, bats are uh, <laughs> very famously bad for transmitting humans from animals into, yes. into humans. They're, they're a yes. famous vector for viruses Going into and humans. then there's also this other, el- I di- you know, I spent time researching this because I wanted to make sure we were correct on all mm-hmm. the things we were talking about today. Bats can spread viruses to other animals mm-hmm. in which they can mutate. And then even if in bats they weren't able to infect humans, they can become able to infect humans after they mutate in other animals. Yeah. This is just, it's zoonotic transfer is the name for yep. this sort of thing. Transfer from animals to humans. They briefly blamed the pangolin, the poor sweet pangolin. <laughs> And then it turned out to not be the pangolin's fault. I think I saw a pangolin not long ago at the St. Louis Zoo. (laughs) I was there a little earlier in the year. I went to the zoo. We have a decent zoo here in St. Louis. It's not the best, but it's a decent zoo. Uh, It's a a good afternoon if you want to go spend some time there. And I I saw a pangolin. It was good. Mm -hmm. It was good. So 
The title of this article is, quote, Engineered Bat Virus Stirs Debate Over Risky Research. And then he gives us a couple paragraphs from that, starting with, quote, An experiment that created a hybrid version of bat coronavirus, one related to the virus that causes SARS, severe acute respiratory syndrome, has triggered renewed debate over whether engineering lab variants of viruses with possible pandemic potential is worth the risks. In an article published in Nature magazine on 9 October, scientists investigated a virus called SHC014, which is found in horseshoe bats in China. The researchers created a chimeric virus made up of surface proteins of SHC014 and the backbone of the SARS virus that had been adapted to grow in mice and to mimic human disease. The chimera infected human airway cells, providing that the surface protein of SHC014 has the necessary structure to bind to a key receptor on the cells and to infect them. It also caused disease in mice, but did not kill them. And then he calls that... The smoking gun. Well, he sort of does. Yeah. He says, there you have, smoke. if not a smoking gun, at least a significant amount of smoke. Scientists were attempting to graph the certain blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. uh, first issue with this article that he's talking about here is that it's actually from November 2015, not 2016, like he claims. Uh, and he did weirdly get the citation correct in the the, the okay, end notes of the book, but he then wrongly said it was from 2016 when okay. it's actually from 2015. The second problem is that it's not an academic article. It's a commentary piece that just discussed some re- recent research. That's another problem with this. Yeah. The third and... problem is that Alex can't read, which just isn't really related to anything. His ghostwriter took care of this for him, right? But... What this is about is, like it says, there's this this uh, uh, research they were doing, ta- uh, looking at these viruses, seeing if they could make these changes, blah, 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 blah. So he then gives us another big chunk from this article in Nature. I'm not going to read that one because you don't really know it, but basically it's just people saying, you know, hey, if this thing got out, it could be a problem and gain-of-function research might be an issue, which yeah. is true. True. Fair enough, Alex. Yeah. Who cares? No, fair but enough. there is two paragraphs that he skipped in between the first quote he gives us and the second quote he gives us. And I'll read them for you. They are, quote, Although most, almost all coronaviruses isolated from bats have not been able to bind to the key human receptor, SHC014 is not the first that can do so. In 2013, researchers reported this ability for the first time in a different coronavirus isolated from the same bat population. That is not one that anyone tinkered with or did gain-of-function research with, they just found one (laughs) that happened to work. And then, the more important paragraph that Alex skipped between his first quote and second quote... Okay, so, no, sorry, this is what I was going to ask when my Mm -hmm. recording cut off. Um, He didn't even dot, dot, dot it. He just just skipped over. Okay, cool. Nope, nope. The more important paragraph that he skipped is, quote, The findings reinforce suspicions that bat coronavirus is capable of directly infecting humans rather than first needing to evolve in an intermediate animal host may be more common than previously thought, the researchers say. Mm. That undercuts his entire argument of a lab leak. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I think the thing is, we don't know, like, we don't know where, for sure where it came from. Right? No, That's but I know for sure why he left that paragraph out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. the point of the two paragraphs he gave us is to try and make the list, the, the reader think that, well, oh, these, these viruses, they have to be manipulated in a lab in order to infect humans. No. And no. that other paragraph plainly contradicts that. Mm-hmm. So that's Even obviously. Even in that article, yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously why he left it out. 
So he says about all this, quote, To put it plainly, the scientists who were working in this field were so terrified of their viruses engineered under gain-of-function research, escaping the lab, that they issued a moratorium in October 2014 on this research. And did our lead public health official on COVID-19, Dr. Anthony Fauci, follow the science regarding the likely origin of the virus, as he repeatedly told Americans to do? The evidence suggests he did not. So and then... Here's, sorry, here's what I think about all of the next two pages. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. It, it do really doesn't. Like, it do Anthony Fauci did not need to know where the virus came from mm -hmm. to effectively do his job as a public health professional. Absolutely also, true. it's not his job to do that. I'm pretty sure. It's like, he's like, how do we best deal with this now that it's in the world? Not, well, I'm going to track down the origins of where this virus came from. Like, we had isolated it very early on and determined what the type of virus was, sequenced it, everything. We did that very quickly. It doesn't matter the origins of it at that point. It's just how best to deal with it. Yeah, and the other problem is that you are treating conservatives with too much good faith once mm. again. Because the, the proposition they all put forward about this was not in any way that... Uh, you know, this this was a possibility that needs to be looked into for scientific purposes and, and that this is, is something, obviously, that our top public health people should consider. No, this was, it's China's fault! Mm. That's all it was. It was That's screeching true, that it was China's fault. Also, the, the other thing is, like, it says, like, his emails suggest... So what he actually did was say there is no evidence to suggest that it was made in a lab publicly. Mm -hmm. And then it's they're saying his emails were like, oh, do you have evidence? Can you show me evidence? Basically, is right. what his like, emails did not contradict his no. public statements. Well, exactly. But that's also the thing Like when you're making public statements, you can't say things, especially in a time of crisis. You can't say things that might be true right. because then people run away with it and take it as read because a person of authority has said it. So you can only confirm things that you have evidence for is the thing and otherwise you have to deny that they're true to the best of your knowledge which is true like that's what he did well and and also it doesn't matter at this stage yeah also true but the thing is that there never was any evidence to support the lab leak theory and there still is no evidence to support the lab leak theory so there are theories this article he gives us is from the New York Post. I'll point that out as the first thing. Mm. Uh, number two, it is based off of emails that House Republicans released of Anthony Fauci's in order to create, you know, political, for political purposes, purely yeah. political purposes, right? So there, the two in particular that this uh, New York Post article references, one, uh, there are two emails. One is from a doctor named, is it George? Uh, I should have written their names down. One is named George. The other one is a woman, I think, Emily or... Susan? I don't remember off the top of my head. I really should have written their names down. But one of those two scientists, the man, told The Intercept uh, that he had been taken out of context when the, the media reported on his emails. Uh, the other one, the woman, uh, several months later, wrote a research paper that was published in Nature, uh, which uh, was about the origins of COVID-19 uh, and called lab leak the least plausible cool. origin of COVID-19. So neither of these people believe the lab leak theory. Neither of these two people in these emails that are supposedly the, the source of all this. These people were just telling Fauci, hey, you know, possibility. And a lot of this comes down to scientists always being really averse to giving strong proclamations of yes or no on anything. Really what a lot of it comes down to. It's mm -hmm. often a problem when we're dealing with scientific stuff. Mm -hmm. 
But he continues saying, quote, Is it a coincidence that Dr. Anthony Fauci, our country's top infectious disease specialist, lied about the possible origins of this virus and that the most powerful organizations in the world, including John Hopkins University, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation worked together on Event 201, which envisioned just such a scenario? Um, well... Again, it was actually the previous year's one uh, where it was bioengineered, not Event 201. So you're just making up things to add to Event 201 uh, to make it fit your narrative, Alex. But uh, also, yeah, yeah, it it is just a coincidence. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely just a coincidence. So he says uh, he's going to take us through all the mistakes that Fauci did. And the first one he goes through is the authoritarian silencing of opposition. So this is all citing one Wall Street Journal opinion article. Yes. <laughs> Just yes, like, it is. The, and, the next like four quotes are all from one Wall Street Journal opinion article. And let me tell you, that Wall Street Journal opinion article is fucking disgraceful. Mm-hmm. It's fucking disgraceful. Sorry, it's an Ed Board article. Sure, it's still an opinion piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it not. Still a, is. It's not a single contributor. It's well, the editorial board. Alex keeps. He mentions at first that it is an opinion piece. And then he keeps calling it an article mm-hmm. to try and, I think, trick the, the reader I into mean, thinking... I the, the two do overlap. Like, you, that, I, I know what you're not saying. Not in this case. But... Not in this case. I no. went and read the entire thing. Uh, and you can too. I'll link it in the show notes. It's a fucking disgrace. Because what this is, is based off of this thing we've talked about before, called the Great Barrington Declaration. Mm-hmm. And the point of the Great Barrington Declaration was, hey, just let everyone die. Just let everyone get infected. And then we'll have herd immunity. Yeah, which is what and the that'll UK be tried better to do for a while. That'll be better than masking and isolation and all this other stuff. Now, also, so just quickly, the U.S. didn't really have a lot of lockdowns. No. Like relative to every other country on Earth, the U.S.'s position was largely ah, whatever. Fuck it. Like, yeah. And well, the reason why I point out this editorial as completely fucking disgraceful is the way that the science. And the reality and the way that coronavirus has actually played out have shown that this would result in millions more deaths if we had followed this. Also, this was published in December 21st, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a silly time to publish this at the height of an Omicron spike. Yeah. Still disgraceful. Still incredibly fucking disgraceful. Um, so the Great Barrington Declaration, just because we talked about it, but I want to refresh people's memory. Uh, this was a, a document created by a libertarian think tank. Uh, it was promoted as though it was come up with by these doctors. But no, actually, it was, I believe it was the uh, American Institute for Economic... Yeah, American Institute for Economic Research is who actually came up with this. And they got three bullshit right-wing doctors to sign mm-hmm. on to it. Uh, the three of them, I don't have their names written down off the top Martin of my head. Martin Kuldorf, Sinetra right. Gupta, and Sinetra Jay Gupta, Jay Bhattacharya, and Martin Kuldorf. Now, Sinetra Gupta uh, is now an author at a libertarian think tank. Cool. Uh, Jay Bhattacharya is a Hoover Institute fellow. He helped found the Academy for Science and Freedom at Hillsdale College, the okay. far-right private university. Oh, and by the way, he's a writer at that same libertarian think tank as Gupta now. Okay, cool. Martin Kildorf uh, published a wildly incorrect article in 2021 that claimed the common flu was more dangerous to children than COVID, when at that year, the statistics that were available would have told him if he had bothered to check that COVID had killed a thousand children and influenza had killed one. Mm. 
Oh, and he's a senior fellow at that same libertarian think tank as the other two now. Good, good, yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, so the, the Great Barrington Declaration is not based in silence, science at all. And the, you know, the, the way the pandemic has played out has just shown they were wildly wrong in their claims. Mm-hmm. It's based in right-wing economics and culture war bullshit, not on any sort of actual reality. And this is the one where I told you, I think, that it was allowed, anyone could sign it. They just put it on the internet and allowed anyone to sign it. Uh, someone who was a performer of kume, a type of Mongolian overtone singing, who claimed to be a therapeutic sound practitioner, was one of the signers. Oh. And I think we mentioned before, someone who signed as Comic Dummings. <laughs> I remember just that. Just great. Just great. <laughs> So Alex says about this snippet he pulls out that I'm not going to bother reading, quote, There's the setup that any good globalist would be salivating over. Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins sit atop the public health pyramid of America, distributing billions of federal dollars to their favorite researchers and projects. In the middle of the tipple, in the mind of the typical globalist, this is a recipe for success. Okay. And then he has this weird offshoot where he talks about how the real scientists are the ones who challenge the narrative, like Linnaeus. Yeah, yeah. The, what the, you said, what you just said, doesn't follow the preceding paragraph at all. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with what was in no, the paragraph, exactly. is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does follow it immediately on no, the page. No, in, in terms of where it is on the page, <laughs> but yes. it has nothing to do with what was in that paragraph. <laughs> Thematically, it doesn't. So. Uh, he again goes back to the Wall Street Journal, and he says about, I just wanted to point this out, I'm not going to read the quote from the, the journal piece, uh, but he says, quote, as the Wall Street Journal piece reported, which I crossed out and wrote, opined, because mm-hmm. that is the correct way to phrase that. He then says, quote, it's difficult to read this opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal and come away with anything but the impression that these alleged scientists are not any different from warring mafia dons or corporate raiders using underhanded tactics to take down the competition. I, I mean, I came away from it v- thinking very differently than that. So I guess it is possible. You have to you have to at least admit it. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then the last snippet we get from that uh, Wall Street Journal piece is just them saying that these researchers, Gupta, Kildorf, and the other guy, uh, aren't fringe, and neither was their opposition to quarantine. And yes, they absolutely were fringe. Their ideas were fringe. Everyone agreed they were fringe. That's why they are fringe. Yeah. If the vast majority of all yeah. our public health officials and scientists say, hey, that's a bad idea, that's not good, yeah. that's how you get something that's fringe. It's a rerun of the climate science debate, right? It's, yeah. it's literally that again, the, but with, the fact with more, that you get more a, obvious immediate consequences. The fact that you're able to get a bunch of uninformed right-wing Americans to agree with these fringe ideas does not make them less fringe. Yeah, exactly. Right, just because you get the Wall Street Journal dickheads over the opinion... Uh, uh, the editorial board to write this douchebag worth, worthy piece, it's, it doesn't make it less fringe. It's just bad. So he's mad also, about... calling something the Great Barrington Declaration is incredibly douchey. It is. Like that is, is. That's like some like Arthur Conan Doyle title. Bullshit. I wonder why they chose that. I didn't bother to look up like why they chose that name. I wonder why they did. I probably should have looked They started that. writing Great Barrier Reef and then did like a, <laughs> uh, an autocomplete. Wow. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But he says a little while later, quote, It's articles like this one from the Wall Street Journal that confirm my belief that much more was going on with COVID-19 than we were led to believe. Fauci and Collins strike me as little different than the generals who lied about our progress in Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. So it's very different to that, though, because actually the numbers are one of the most public things that the American government has ever done in real time. 
Like there were multiple mass communications to the American public about what was happening, how many people were infected, how many people had died, how many people were hospitalized. It is nothing like the generals who lied about progress in Vietnam because that was famously not made public. Mm-hmm. Yep, famously. Uh, I mean, I guess he would claim that these emails are like the secret... These are not the Pentagon Papers. I know. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. But he continues. For for a start, they were foiled, which I don't (laughs) think the Pentagon Papers were. He continues, For the sake of clarity, let me tell you what I consider to be the most likely explanations for what happened during the COVID-19 crisis. And he tells us... Exactly what you expect him to think. Well, his first one, what he thinks is most likely, is that this was intentionally... Or, I'm sorry, accidentally... Uh, or no, actually, I got I read that backwards. Yeah, yeah. Intentionally. intentionally created by the globalists to kill us. That that's number one. Second most likely, accidental escape from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Third most likely to him, a natural outbreak in Wuhan. And I mean, we don't have to say anything more than you got you got those directly flipped. Yeah, those are the exact opposite. And there are many other ones that you're not considering in there that are actually you know part of the the equation. Mm-hmm. But this is where he tells us he's just going to spend the rest of the chapter treating it like an act of God. That it's just something that happened naturally, and that even if that's the case, the globalists have embraced a terrifying plan for humanity's future. They always have. Those silly globalists. silly globalists. So, uh, he talks about how the uh, lockdown started in March 2020, but in July of 2020, Klaus Schwab put out a new book. Ah, he gives us a snippet from the introduction of that book, which I'm not going to bother to read. It doesn't really matter. He then points out that despite Schwab saying that all these great changes are coming, most of your lives are probably the same, which in such case, where's the great reset, Alex? Mm. If most things are still the same, where's the great reset? What what's happening? Yeah. He gets mad about a basic literary flourish that Schwab uses about Mm returning to the broken sense of normalcy before the crisis. For some reason, he's mad about that. He even says, quote, can somebody who isn't clinically insane tell me what's meant by that line? I can. Yeah. (laughs) I figured you'd be able to. I I can. So, uh, first of all, he says sense of normalcy, which he means wasn't normal. Things weren't necessarily normal, even though everyone pretended they were. Even if that weren't the case, you could say broken normalcy to say that something was a regular occurrence, but is not good. Things can be normal and broken. It's normal, for example, that a broken leg hurts. Mm-hmm. That's not good, though. You want to yep. change that if you can. Very much so. It's, um... Alex is bad at this. Alex yeah. is bad at this. It's, it's a very... It's, a, it's such a weird sentence to get mad at. Oh, you think normal is bad? Yeah, sometimes. Like... Yeah. He then gets mad that in Klaus Schwab's book, he talks about how government's going to become important again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally the quote he puts in there is that, quote, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has made government important again, not just powerful again. Look at those once mighty companies begging for help, but also vital again. And he's he's really mad about that. He goes on a little rant about how he's against big government. Even says he'd rather pay more at the UPS store than use the U.S. post office. He clearly he's never set, tried to send anything to rural America. <laughs> I found that one to be quite fun. Yeah. I love that a lot. But then <laughs> he he's down. never been to a fucking UPS store if he thinks it's better than the post office. Also. Yeah. But then he gives us this quote, which I'm going to read because this is one of his great distortions that I have to point out. And this is a quote from Schwab's book that he's going to use to claim that this is how Schwab is forecasting his plan. And he says, 
Schwab says, quote, If no one power can enforce order, our world will suffer from a global order deficit. Unless individual nations and international organizations succeed in finding solutions to better collaborate at the global level, we risk entering an age of entropy in which retrenchment, fragmentation, anger, and parochialism will increasingly define our global landscape, making it less intelligible and more disorderly. The pandemic crisis has, expo has both exposed and exacerbated this sad state of affairs. The magnitude and consequence of the shock it has inflicted are such that no extreme scenario can now be taken off the table. And he says about that, quote, It's taken two and a half books, but Schwab, in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, laid out his plan to deal with the dissidents. <laughs> and no then it's just a list of things that scare Alex. No extreme scenario can now be taken off the table. What might be what might those extreme scenarios be? Deleting a person's email list? <laughs> That's one of them! God damn it, I can't believe you put that on there! It's I really couldn't it's believe that that was one, one of the, the things he put on there. What might those extreme nothing is off the table scenarios be? It's amazing. Deleting a motherfucker's email address, email list. That's it. <laughs> That's the worst I thing think, I can think of. I think, think the thing of. is... That half, most of this list are just things that have happened to Alex. No, that's what I'm saying. It's just things that he is mad that happened to him. Yeah. He says, the shutting down of opposing voices on social media, deleting a person's email list, cutting off a person's access to financial payment services, denying banking services to an individual because of their political beliefs, using law enforcement agencies like the FBI or IRS to harass the dissidents, the creation of detention camps to be utilized for those who deny health mandates, Dates or simply protest the plans of the government, the mass execution of those who defy government orders. Yeah, that's it. Then he says, do any, of the, do any of those seem too extreme? Schwab himself wrote that no extreme scenario can now be taken off the table. To which Benedict, allow me to read you what that paragraph actually says in the version of Schwab's book, no, which is available as a believe, PDF online. I want to truly believe that it involves deleting someone's email list that's i i oh, will go to my grave believing that oh benedict you sweet star child okay here's what it actually is i will start with that final sentence that alex is so upset over quote the magnitude and consequences of the shock it has inflicted are such that no extreme scenario can now be taken off the table the implosion of some failing states or petrostates, the possible unraveling of the EU, a breakdown between China and the US that leads to war, all of these and many more have now become plausible, albeit hopefully unlikely, scenarios. Benedict, he's not even talking about what Alex wants the reader to think he's talking about. No, never is. And it's one of those cases where to get that quote, Alex had to copy-paste from the immediately preceding sentence. He would have had to see the one that disproves the narrative he's trying to push. You would think, but here we are. It's just, I, I have to point these things out when they happen. I always have to. It mm -hmm. really is. So there's a thing where he's talking about global governance. He has a quote from Schwab. Global governance does not mean what Alex thinks it means. He actually takes some words out of that quote that make it seem more menacing. I'm not going to bother to deal with it because it really doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. It's just Schwab is talking about how countries need to cooperate. Um, and Alex is using that just because, hey, he said global governance. That sounds like the stuff we scream about a lot. Mm -hmm. 
But Alex ends the first half of the chapter that we're going to be finishing today with this, which I will read. It's a I don't know, couple paragraphs, but it's, uh, it's half a page. I'll read it for you. It is, quote, Color me skeptical, but I'm not seeing Schwab put any limits on what governments can do to their citizens or the pressure to be applied to average people by institutions, policies, norms, procedures, and initiatives. Their plans sound reminiscent of some take-it-or-leave-it big tech contract when you want their new phone, computer, or app. The best-case scenario, if you defy them, is that you might end up without an internet connection, a phone, a bank account, or a job. From history, we have learned the worst-case scenario for those who defy authoritarian control. They end up in jail, brutally tortured, and often dead. As we continue, I will show you exactly how Klaus Schwab and his cronies are, are putting in just such a system. They want you to believe it's for your own good, or it's for the children, or to save the sea turtles. <laughs> That would be pretty no, cool. that's People why you cut up that. your, your Coke uh, rings, those, yeah. those plastic rings. They know better than you do because they're smart. I mean, they are smarter than Alex. Mm-hmm. End of the first half of Chapter 4 of The Great Reset. Benedict, that one was a doozy. Yeah. Really was a doozy. That was, my, I think, my favorite chapter so far. That was a really good one. We got a little bored with a couple of the previous chapters, but this the one brought it back. The last chapter bored me a bit. This one was back, this one was back on track. I'm excited yeah. to see where he goes with it. It's a lot better than Mark Levin, where after that first chapter, we were just fucking dying the whole way through that book. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that was Mark just intolerable. Was okay. No, it was okay. It was okay. It was just uh, there were some points, but it was that first and last, cha- last chapter. Those were the only ones that were really... You know what we were looking for. That's true. Yeah, That's there true. wasn't much. There wasn't much else that was worth finding in there. That's true. But uh, Benedict, so you know, we haven't learned much about COVID from this. I wouldn't say. Well, no, but I've learned uh, a bunch about what people think about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're correct. But anyways, Benedict, uh, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Pause, Lilith 210, A Baby, Mwah. Veronica Forker, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hillman, Utah Outcast, Brett Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Taru Takanen, and Balls Waterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, COVID's real. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of kevin and benedict productions copyright 2020 all rights reserved music for this podcast is by silverman sound studios find out more at silvermansound.com